0: we move on, we have a very special birthday this morning. Pastor Mike Ulmer's turning 60. Y'all make some noise for him. Y'all help us sing this real fast, okay? So happy birthday to you. Happy Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Pastor Mike. Happy birthday. Y'all make some noise. One this morning, give him glory. Give him glory. Amen. Now about him, clap for Jesus. All right. Amen. All right. Well, look at your neighbor. Say you've lost weight, haven't you? Hallelujah. Glory to God. Well, thank God I have an opportunity to share God's word today. Uh, it's going to be a message entitled "Tile-Tearing Faith." I had to rip through the roof. For breakthrough, Uh, and this kind of started a few weeks ago when I saw a video on Facebook. And before I even say that, just as I'm thinking about it, kind of keep a couple other families uh, in your prayers this week. Uh, You might, uh, some of you know maybe Mary Lou Taylor. She she stands right by that door back there and greets. her husband, Rod, went to be with the Lord this week. And also Kevin Nowlin's mom went to be with the Lord. Their uh, services will be Tuesday. So just keep them in your prayers and grace there for them. But I watched a video, and uh, many of you know Emily Cruz and the Cruz family, but Emily is a teenager who is, uh, has three brain tumors that are inoperable and, and just a, needs a breakthrough, needs a miracle. And I, I'm, let's watch this video, and then I'll talk about it a little bit. But this is a video I saw that kind of inspired me. in 2012. I have three brain tumors, inoperable brain tumors in my brain. I suffer from seizures and uh, it's inoperable. We're trying some other things because the doctors don't want to do any chemo or radiation on me because I'm fine right now. Well, physically. <laughs> I'm still walking around. so. Western Wishes with Emily wanting to, to ride a cutting horse a few months ago. And right after he said that it just dawned on him, I was like, man, I'd really like to have something to do with this. I'd, I've uh, followed Western Wishes for a few years. Um, never thought that any kids would want to cut. I mean, it's always rodeo stars, rodeo athletes that they wanted to see. Keep using your feet. Use your feet. Go, go, go. That's good. Good with your feet through the turn, but then you got to remember to stay even and use both feet to go forward. There you go. Now both feet. That's what you want to feel, but right there, how he's stopping and he's not coming out of that turn. He's coming back. That's, that's good. So, you know, she reaches a lot of people through just sharing what she's going through her joys and her, her hard times, but uh, so it's really touched a lot of people. You know, that was just a few weeks ago and even right before that, uh, Just had some severe seizures and in the hospital and the doctors even gave her, given her, you know, a worse report. And so when I saw that video, you you always kind of ask that question, why? You know, you tend to, we as humans ask, well, why God or why? But I try not to stay there very long and I go to what now? And I just begin to say, you know, literally, what can we do, Lord? You know, is there something we can do? And, and I the Lord took me to that scripture and I didn't write where it was at the point at the time but it was the story about the four men who carried the paralytic man and let's go ahead and look in the word of God and read that out of Mark 2 but first does anybody have any Bibles electronic devices with any word on it hold them up wave them a little bit we're making the bookstores glad and the devil mad here let's chop off some devil's heads na 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 come on help me na 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 hey do you believe this is a weapon or not then repeat after me this Bible has the power to change my life, to change my city. I can do what this Bible says I can do. I'll be a history maker and a world shaker. This Bible's a truth detector. That was truth detector. Sin deflector, Faith inflator. I'm going to read it now. I'm going to read it later. If you believe that, give Jesus a shout and a hand clap. All right, I'm in the right place. Amen. (laughs) Let's look at Mark 2, verse 1. And again he entered Capernaum after some days, and it was heard that he was in the house. Immediately many gathered together, so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. And he preached the word to them. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, say broken through. They let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Sons, your sins are forgiven you. And some of the scribes were sitting there reasoning in their hearts, Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But immediately when Jesus perceived in his spirit they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, Why do you reason about these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately he rose, took up the bed, went out in the presence of them all, so they were all amazed and glorified. God saying, we never saw anything like this. Okay, first of all, there's a person that needs a miracle. But they're unable to get to the miracle worker. He's paralyzed, he's just unable to move, unable to go even to that next level in his life. He's just kind of bound at that place for other people to help him. You know, spiritually, we can be paralyzed. We can be at a place where we just can't seem to get beyond into that next level God has for us. Churches can be paralyzed and just unable to move. How many know sometimes, and in most cases, there's actually demonic resistance to keep us from going on to that next place? But in Jesus' name, I break any anti um, breakthrough spirits in Jesus' name. We will go on to our destiny. How many can say amen? amen? So, what can paralyze us? In this man's case, he was paralyzed by sin. The sin, somehow, and the sickness were tied together in this case. I tell you, when I hit resistance or you're, you're just having a battle, something's going on, one of the first things I do is I check that area. Is there any sin? Does the enemy have any legal right to harass me or keep me from God's best? And so I always got to check there. The second thing, it could be feared out and unbelief. That can keep you and hinder your prayers and keep uh, from breakthrough. It could be selfishness. And the fourth one, it can be demonic resistance. I believe that's the case with Emily and the case of a lot of people that are really needing a breakthrough in a miracle. There's just resistance. Why do we see more miracles, people literally being raised from the dead, overseas on the mission fields. In America, we're not seeing the miracles as much. There's just a resistance over us. And I believe we can get to poke through. I, why not this be one of the churches that pokes through the heavenlies and that people come here and, and receive miracles in Jesus' name? That's revival. So let's shift from the paralytic man to the four men for a minute, because I believe there'll be a time in every one of our lives where we're going to need somebody like these four men. We're going to need some friends. We're going to need some compassionate people. We're going to need a church to help us get our breakthrough. Because there's many that are against us. So what can we do? What can we do to see manifestations of miracles in 2015? First of all, I believe some things only come by prayer and fasting. I mean, that's what Jesus said. After the disciples tried to cast out a demon, they weren't able to. He comes back and he said that. Some things are only done by prayer and fasting. And so tonight, with what we just saw in that video, there's a young teenage girl that needs a serious breakthrough. A life and death situation, she needs a breakthrough. And so from 6 to 7 tonight, I'm calling the time of fasting and prayer. Just to come tonight for one hour, okay? Fast a little bit or whatever, but just show up for one hour, and let's just really pray for breakthrough. If she can't, if she can't make it or unable to come, I'm just asking to bring a scarf, a hat, you know, something we can pray over. If you have somebody that needs a miracle and they can't make it, bring something. Bring a handkerchief. You know, in the Bible they did that? They prayed for a handkerchief. They took it to them, and they were healed. Shadows would fall on people from the disciples, and they were healed. We can have faith for that. But I was thinking about this. You know, I don't know about today. Today's my birthday. And, you know... Uh, I could do a lot of other fun things and I thought, you know, I you know, sometimes have some goals like maybe I'll do 60 pull-ups while I'm 60 or maybe try to do 60 sit-ups in 60 seconds or maybe run 60 miles in 60 days or so. But I thought, hey, what about 60 minutes? Just 60 minutes to come before the Lord. To just And I don't know, I'm believing tonight, we'll see a breakthrough. And here's the one thing. If it doesn't manifest tonight, I believe God's going to give us the strategy of what we need to do in the continuing days. That, I'm, without a shadow of a doubt. But, you know, even with 60 minutes, I'm still going to have time to eat 60 wings and watch 60 minutes of football. So, hey, nothing lost. I don't think the Cowboys already have won by then. You know, the other game don't start till 7. We're good to go. Amen. But these four men could not get the paralytic to Jesus. It said there was no longer room to receive anyone. They couldn't even get near the door, but they didn't give up. The crowd was big. They couldn't get close, but they didn't give up. There was no way to get to Jesus, no way for them to get to that miracle on this level. They had to do what? They had to go up. They had to go up to the roof. Now, that took some extra energy and effort. I don't know if there were stairs there, there could have been. Could have, they had to get a ladder. Whatever it was, it took more energy just to get there. And then to begin to literally, the Bible says, tear through the roof. And here's the thing about tearing through a roof. You can't do it from the bottom up. In most cases, you can't even reach it. You got to go from the top down. And here's what a point I want to make. Sometimes it's going to take more than bottom-up prayers. And bottom-up prayers are fine. Bottom-up prayers, to me, that's, Lord, help me. Lord, please, you know, heal me or please help me get through this. And those are fine. But there's some times where the only prayers, you got to go from the top down because there's demonic resistance that has to be broken through. And that's where, you know, even in my, if those of you that receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, you were given the gift of a prayer language that you can talk to God, you can communicate by your spirit. There's times when I do that and it feels like it's from the bottom up. What, I don't know what I'm saying, the Bible says, but I know I'm getting stronger, it says in Jude. Building up your strength, praying in the Holy Spirit, and there's times I'm doing like that. It feels like it's going from the bottom up, but I don't know. I'm praising God, but it's making me stronger. And then sometimes it'll shift, and it's like coming from. It's more aggressive. It's more warfare, and it's like coming from the top down. See, there's times uh, that sitting at the feet of Jesus, and that's fine. We need to. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. But there's sometimes we need to go to war. What does it say in Ephesians six twelve? We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. But against principalities, against powers, against rules of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Some things you can't fight on this natural level. You need to go up. Say go up. go up. To the supernatural level and fight from the top down. James 5, 16. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous. There's three key words there. Effective, fervent, righteous man avails much. First of all, effective, that it hits the mark. You know, the Bible says our children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Man, you want your children to hit the mark, don't you? And that's why the enemy does not want them. That's why the enemy does not want Emily to grow and mature. Because God wants her to hit the mark and and do damage to the kingdom of darkness. Effective, fervent prayer. When you break that down and, and study that, first of all, it's right in that same chapter with Elijah praying that there be rain had there hadn't been rain for three years. And the type of prayer he's praying, it's not just now I lay me down to sleep. I'm telling you, it's body, soul, and spirit. As a matter of fact, they even make reference when you, when you, you study it, a woman given childbirth. And back in the old days, it would just squat down and go, you know, then go back to work after that. No. You know, when women are pregnant, it takes some energy, I hear, and some effort to give forth birth. Matter of fact, you know, in that first pain, oh, honey, I, f- I kind of feel it. I think it might be time to go to the hospital. And then on the way, ooh, 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 ooh. get—oh, they're getting a little harder. Oh, oh yeah, and there's a still a little excitement. Then you get in that emergency room, and she's ripping your sleeve off your shirt. <laughs> Lord, you know, just, I mean, there's pain involved, right? You know, I made a prophetic declaration a couple weeks ago that God wanted to birth things in his church yes. and birth things in our life. Yes. It's going to take some energy and effort. But what are the results? I mean, they're always exciting, aren't they? When you see new babies. What does it say in Matthew eleven twelve? 12? And from the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. He's given us the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever we bind on earth is bound in heaven. He says that the kingdom is right here within us. You've got to come to that place where we're coming from the top down. That's a supernatural thing. And we just don't ask. We declare, we confront, and we conquer. It's a little different type of a prayer. In Acts 3, Peter and John, it says, they walk by a guy that was sick, paralyzed, sitting there, begging. And they just didn't say, well, be blessed, you know, be healed, and we'll be praying for you. And they stopped and said, you know, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, in the name of Jesus, get up and walk. I mean, they didn't, they, they didn't ask. They commanded. And what did he do? He got up, he was healed, and he walked. You know, most average churchgoers don't realize their demonic powers at the root of most of our problems. And I'm not saying a demon behind every bush, but there are definitely uh, demonic opposition in our government, in our nation. I mean, there is a spirit of antichrist out there that he, that's that manifests even in racism and prejudice and all this other stuff. It's an antichrist spirit. But we have to identify him, confront him, and conquer him. And when we get this mindset, I'm telling you, we're going to be unstoppable. Amen? Man, I declare to you, we're going to see signs, wonders, and miracles in 2015. But why not here today? Why not at this altar today? Why not us? I mean, does God want it? Amen. Let's believe for it. Amen? Amen. Why did the disciples and how did the disciples turn their world upside down? First of all, Daniel 11:12 says, "The people that know their God will be strong and do exploits." Do you know him? If you don't read this consistently, you do not know him. This is how you get to know him. You got to get in that word. Get a version you can understand. Ask God to speak to you. Get in that word. Do this Proverbs challenge. The disciples knew him, they served him, they bragged about him, they boasted about him, and they upset the world around him. I'm telling you, they worried the devil. The devil's worried what they were going to do next. They weren't worried about what the devil was going to do. I'm telling you, they confronted demons and government leaders. They would tell people the truth about their deeds. People were forced to ask, what must we do to be saved? And they would say, you need to repent and turn to God. They had Holy Ghost services in the street. They got people baptized in the street. They carried out deliverance services in the street. And they were on fire and they were without fear. They had something prisons couldn't contain. a matter of fact, they would arrest them and have to release them. And then invite them back in for interrogation. (laughs) They had something fire couldn't burn. Water couldn't drown. Salt couldn't spoil. What was their secret? They knew God. They confronted and they conquered. Let's get back to the four men on the roof a minute. They had a friend... That needed a miracle. And you know what? We're all going to be there sometime. We will all be there sometime. They ran into some resistance. I mean, Jesus was right there. They could have kind of stopped and, and got close and just said, you know, K Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. And, you know, the Lord kind of knows we're here and, you know, that's enough. And they kind of stopped short there. But they didn't give up, they went up. They began to tear off the tiles. I mean, they literally begin to dig through the roof. One version says they tore off the tiles. That's tile tearing faith. I mean, they, they, they were going for it. They knew if they could just get to Jesus. And tiles represent the things that hinder our breakthrough. Maybe you need to tear off some tiles of unforgiveness. I mean, that's one of the first things. You know, there's some sicknesses that are strengthened with unforgiveness. We get a whole thing there. But maybe, you, and how do you tear off a tile of unforgiveness? With forgiveness. That's how you tear it off. You choose to forgive. It's not a feeling, it's a choice you make. You declare it. You tell them, I forgive them in the name of Jesus. Maybe there's tiles of fear, doubt, and unbelief that need to be torn off. And like I said, you've got to be kind of cautious with the why questions, even though we all ask them. But how long? Because here, and I'll use an illustration by Bill Johnson, who's a pastor at Bethany Church. In a, in a church in California, and a church that, I mean, is moving in signs and wonders, that have interns that they send to the streets to pray for the sick, and are seeing miracles happen. But he kind of makes this, this illustration. First of all, uh, questions don't have power. Revelation has power. But when you have questions, like they have no power unless we empower them. They have no authority unless we empower them. And then when we empower them, they undermine the revelation. And so maybe you get this revelation that I'm going to preach the gospel, and I'm going to heal the sick. And you really believe, Man, I'm going to pray for this person, they're going to be healed. And your faith is up there. And then a family member gets sick, and you pray for them, and nothing happens. What's that? That's the cross. But he makes this statement. Uh, to me, it's powerful. You You need to feed yourself with with what God's doing and what He's done and not stumble over what hasn't happened. You need to feed yourself with, with what God's doing and what He's done and not stumble over what hasn't happened. And if you celebrate the what He's doing, it's going to give you momentum with the what's not happened. That's good stuff. Amen. Maybe you also need to tear off tiles of sin or disobedience. I mean, that'll... That'll hinder things. That'll stop things up. Sin and disobedience give the devil illegal right. The most tangible one to me is tithing. That's just a tangible one. It's obvious. It's the same for all of us. It's 10%. And I learned this before I was on staff at a church. So again, I'm not, this is not as a paid uh, announcement. This is a satisfied customer right here. To find out the hard way at times. And I had to make this decision in the middle of a boss not paying me for several months. In the middle of bill collectors calling. But the Bible says you're under a curse when you don't do that. It's like you have a roof over you. You're going to hit the wall every time. How do you break through disobedience and sin? Repentance. God, I'm sorry, and you turn and go the other way. Maybe it's tiles of selfishness. James 4.3, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your own pleasures. Maybe it's tiles of religious mindsets. Well, that's the way I was taught, or that's the way I understand things. I mean, what does the word say about it? So how do you get up to get the breakthrough? I'm gonna use this scripture to kind of get us a picture of going up. Isaiah 40, 31. But those who wait on the Lord, renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings of eagles. They'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. Wings like eagles. That gives you the picture you're going up. You're getting up above your circumstances. You're kind of getting up in your daddy's lap. And don't things look a lot different from up there? Don't the the problems look a lot smaller and your God look a lot bigger? Just think, if you had the eyes of an eagle, they say you can stand on the top of a 10-story building and see an ant down on the ground. That's some powerful eyes. And if you had them at the angle they did, you would have a visual field of 340 degrees instead of 180 I mean, that's a great advantage in hunting, and a great advantage in self-defense, too. See the enemy coming. So how do we go up? Because we need to get up above those demonic strongholds. And I say up because it's the best way for our human minds to kind of understand it. But we're really stepping into another realm, kind of a sci-fi kind of a thing. Almost, you know, we're, we're, it's another kingdom we're talking about. But yet it's within us. It's right here. But Jesus used a lot of earthly ways for help us to understand things. Because that's what we got to deal with. We, We deal with time and space and all these things that you don't deal with in eternity. Maybe you've heard of the military doctrine called rapid dominance. The example of this was desert storm in the term shock and awe. How many remember that? Anybody? Okay, here's the definition of it. It says, impose this overwhelming level of shock and awe against an adversary on an immediate or sufficiently timely basis to paralyze its will to carry on. This was done by a military over a three-day period with, over, with about 1,700 air sorties. That's individual flights with 504 cruise missiles. They're, they wanted to totally paralyze them. Their power grid, their communication, just totally paralyze them. And they did it. What would happen if we did some shock and awe on the enemy? Our church. Because prayer is a spiritual weapon. And that's what I want to happen tonight for one hour. If one can send a thousand a flight to ten thousand, man, we come and we just hit him in Jesus' name. Let's take that word "wait." Those who wait, say "wait on the Lord." The W stands for worship. Say worship. When I say worship, I'm talking about all aspects of ministering to the Lord. Okay, just the term ministering to the Lord, uh, like in or in Psalm 104 enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise that's one of the first ways you go up that's the first way you enter into the presence of God thanking him, praising him in Acts 13 listen to this story because they hit some resistance by a sorcerer that's literally on the earth demonic resistance back in the day in the youth ministry my wife and I were confronted by some witchcraft people phone calls and we're putting curses on you. I break every curse off of us and our family and off of you in the name of Jesus. It won't it'd be like a sparrow not finding a place to land on a righteous person. Amen. Amen. Amen? Acts 13. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I have called them. Then having fasted and prayed and laid hands on them, they sent them away. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul, sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas the saucer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. What did they do before? They ministered to the Lord. Yeah, you get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you get filled with the Spirit. But that's not a one-time thing. I mean, you daily need to be filled with the Spirit of God. And they got that by ministering to the Lord. And then, when he's full of the Holy Spirit, he looks at this man intently and says, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you will not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord. And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you. And you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him. He went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed. And when they saw what he had done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. There's a sign and a wonder. See, they were resisted. But what happened? They identified, they confronted, and they conquered. In Jesus' name. But remember what they do first? They ministered to the Lord. They worshiped. You know, incense in the Old Testament represents prayer. Matter of fact, here's one of the verses. It's also in Revelation, but Psalm 141, two, Let my prayer be set forth before thee as incense, and the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. I remember the first time I lifted my hands like 300 pounds because we didn't do that in the church I grew up in. But just think, you read Leviticus, I could read probably for an hour and a half just how to come before the Lord. The process. I mean, I mean, we'd have to raise the animal. Then we'd have to bring it. Then they'd have to cut his throat and pour the blood. And then they'd have to cook. And then, they, and then only one person could win the presence of the Lord once a year. I mean, here we get to come walk in with our coffee and lattes and come boldly to the throne of grace. And here's the thing. That word incense in the Old Testament that represents prayer, it's the Hebrew word quota. That's you know, like a sales quota, trying to reach your quota. But the word translates fumigation. See, we are filled with our own devices, imaginations, doctrines, fears that we take into our prayers. And sometimes we just need to fumigate a little bit get, to get the junk out. Because God doesn't want to live in a temple built by hands. He wants to dwell here in us. And sometimes it's hard to even pray at home because of the burdens, worries, fears, insecurities, and uncertainties that you're kind of reminded of. That's why it's good sometimes just come to the house of the Lord and do that. But fumigation, that worship, that, that, that prayer, just kind of cleanses it. And then there's another word, rumination. See, ruminate is what cows do. They chew something over and over. We need to ruminate on God's word. That means you need to think about it. You need to chew on it. You need to meditate it. You need to speak it out loud into the spirit realm. You need to declare it. And here's a good one. See, when you have fumigation and rumination, then you will get illumination and revelation. Oh, that was my birthday gift from the Holy Ghost. That's worthy of more than an amen. That might even be some wings or something. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And that stuff will drive out fear, doubt, and unbelief. Amen? So wait is worship. I is identify. Say identify. You've got to identify the problem. What are you dealing with? Is it a physical sickness? Is it a spiritual affliction? Is it a curse? Is it self-inflicted? See, we've got to go up so we can identify what's resisting us. And when I go up, it's that place in prayer where the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you. And begins to give you instruction. Maybe says, you know, that's an anti-breakthrough spirit. Or that's the prince of Persia. Or that's a, a spirit of offense. Or, trust me. How many have heard that one? You just feel that, trust me. But then you, yeah, but Lord, you don't, uh, trust me. Yeah, but then I'm getting, and then, and then what? It, trust me. Hallelujah. A stands for ask. Say ask. That's where you, you're in the presence now, you've been talking to, you, you worship, you, and you ask for power to be a witness. You ask for wisdom, you ask for favor, you ask for boldness. This is something I don't think I do enough in the supernatural realm, ask for boldness. Look at Acts 4, 29. Now, Lord, look on their threats. This is almost like these, the apostles are already in that place where they're in above the demonic. They're sitting with the Lord. And they're almost saying, now, Lord, look at these threats. Look what they're doing to us. And grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word. By stretching out your hand to heal, that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. You can't use human tools to bring about supernatural results. And here's the thing about boldness. Boldness draws God. Boldness will bring God into a situation. And nothing happens in the kingdom until you make a declaration. you got to catch that one. You have to declare some things out loud. T stands for tear up tiles. Say tear up tiles. I mean, this is the place where you speak to the powers of darkness, the spirits of resistance, and you command them to go in the name of Jesus. With all authority of heaven, you begin to tear the tiles off the roof. Begin to rip through the roof of this resistance. Because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. Yeah, it says the meek shall inherit the earth, but the violent shall inherit heaven. And how goes the battle in the heavenlies? Goes the battle on earth. This is where the battle at. Prayer is the battle. Little prayer, little power. Much prayer, much power. And then you're endued with Christ's power. And he gives us full power of eternity. Of attorney. To use his name. We've been given power over opposing forces. Luke, Luke 10, 19. Behold, I give you power to trample on serpents and scorpions over all power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. He's given us power to restore people. Mark 16, 18. We will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. He's given us power to preach the gospel to every living creature. He's given us the power to create wealth, according to Deuteronomy eight eighteen. Before you can operate in authority, you have to learn how to be Under authority. I'll say it in the word of God. The centurion in Luke 7, 7. He said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. I'm a man under authority having soldiers under me. I say to one, go and he goes. To another, come and he comes. To my servant, do this and he does that. When Jesus heard this, he marveled at him. I say to you, I've never found such faith. He said, Jesus, you did not even go to my house. Just say the word. Luke 9, 12. He called his 12 disciples together. And gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. He sent them to preach the gospel, the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. Well, that was the disciples. That was just those 12 guys. Well, in Acts 10, he sent out 70 with authority to heal the sick. That's a whole other group. Well, that was back then. Well, Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Any believers? I mean, this is up right now. Let's go on and read it. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink anything deadly, by no means hurt them. They'll lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. And then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up to heaven, sat down at the right hand of God, and then they went out and preached everywhere, and the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs, amen. That's for now. But let's do a quick kind of, just a couple points before we close on authority. Psalm 45, 6. I want to get you a picture of a king holding a scepter, okay? Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. Now, a king has a scepter. That represents, he has the power. You can even go before a king. And that's what it says in Esther 4, if you remember the story. All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that any man or woman who goes into the inner court to the king who has not been called, he has but one law put all to death. Except the one to whom the king holds out the golden scepter, that he may live. And Esther said, but I haven't been, you know, I haven't been asked to come. I mean, all her people are saying, you know, come, stand on our behalf, talk to the king. But she said, man, I go in there unannounced, I'm dead. But God gave her favor. Esther 8, verse 4. And the king held out the golden scepter toward Esther. So Esther arose and stood before the king. That scepter, authority. What's our scepter? Righteousness. What is Righteousness. First of all, it's being in right standing. It's being free from guilt and sin. Isn't it good in. The, maybe you wake up one morning, I know I did this at least once, where I felt like, man, I don't think I've done anything wrong. You know, I'm asking for forgiveness, but I don't really feel like I have guilt. You know, it's kind of like, that's kind of a good feeling, isn't it? Not feeling guilty. It's kind of, you know, I used to speed a lot, but I, the Lord kind of convicted me of that, so. Maybe still one or two every now and then. But isn't it a good feeling? You set the cruise. You are going the speed limit. Your inspection sticker's good. You know your license plates are good. And you can cruise along and just kind of relax. Just know, hey, I'm not guilty. I'm not, you know, nobody's, if they pick me up, you know, nothing's going to happen. It's a good feeling. It's called right living. But here's the thing. Right living doesn't make you righteous. We're not righteous by the letter of the law. But we're righteous by faith. It's a gift. It says in Romans five seventeen. It talks about the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Abraham in Romans four nineteen, and not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced. That what God had promised, he was able to perform, and therefore it was accounted to him as righteousness. Righteousness is a gift. It comes by faith. Let's recap. Real quick. When you hit resistance, don't give up, but you got to do what? Go up. And we got to do what? Wait on the Lord. W stands for? Worship. Ministering to the Lord. Fumigation and rumigation, prayer and declaring his word will bring illumination and revelation. Revelation has power. I is identify the opposition. A is ask for boldness. T is tear off some tiles. Man, it's time to rip through the roof of demonic resistance. Then with authority, you speak to the powers of darkness. They must die. They must go in Jesus' name, break through the roof, get that miracle God's promised us. That's what we're going to do tonight in Jesus' name. You know, how many heard of Smith Wigglesworth? I mean, read, read his books and his stories. Man, this guy is speaking and declaring. Matter of fact, he went to the funeral of a five-year-old. The custom was you actually would have the body there in the house for several days to mourn. And he walks in, a five-year-old. The father pulls back the kind of the, the sheet over his face. Smith Wigglesworth sees this little boy, and tears begin to come down his face. Compassion's a real key, isn't it? to the miraculous first tears come down and then he asks the father to leave the room he goes and locks the doors him and that little boy he takes the stiff course out of the casket sticks it up against the wall and begins to command the spirit of death to loose its hold and break his power in the name of Jesus and that little boy came back to life and they walk out together to see the dad I'm telling you I believe we're moving into that kind of a place I mean, I've heard, we went to a youth camp where a missionary from Mexico talked about 50 different documented people being raised from the dead. Why not here? Why not now? I'm telling you, this this spirit of cancer that the enemy's using needs to be broken in the name of Jesus. Amen? This last one verse before we close, and it's the picture of David. He gets anointed as king in 2 Samuel chapter 5. He no more is anointed as king, and it says all the Philistines came out to battle him. How many have gone to that next level? And then, I'm telling you, I no more than gave my life to the Lord. April 14, 1984, all hell broke loose. My daughter was born four days later, premature. The doctors say she wouldn't walk or talk, and they had the CAT scans to prove it. Praise God. God healed her, amen. But then after that, I mean, she had asthma. My next daughter had asthma, and they were going to the hospital sometimes on the same day. And then my third daughter, Child is born, my son, and we start taking him to the doctor for asthma. And I don't know what it was, but at some point, we st- dug our heels in. We tore off those tiles. And, and from less than a year old, I mean, none of our children had asthma from that point on. And why not believe that tonight for Emily and whoever else needs a miracle tonight? But here's the verse in S- Samuel 5.20. See, this is the place where he got attacked, and he inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said, yeah, go and attack, and you'll prevail. And David came to Baal, and the town is, could be, you could pronounce it several ways, Perazim, or I like to call it Parazim, because I like to him. Amen? So it's Baal, him, And David, David defeated him and said, The Lord has broken through my enemies before me like a breaking flood. Therefore, the name of the place is called Baal, Parazim, or God of the Breakthrough. Another place, it talks about a flood. In Isaiah 59, 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. But you look at other versions, sometimes they move the comma to when the enemy comes in, like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will raise up a standard. How about we pray, God opens the floodgates of heaven and he floods down on our enemies and washes them away in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, there's a couple things I'm believing for and I believe the Lord. I kind of began to speak last night about some things. I believe there's some people here today that need to come home. And that's the way I heard it. That means you've either, you've been away from church and this is your home and you need to get back in here and get involved. I mean, there's a new connect class starting the first of the year. You can just kind of get right in. Or there's just, you've been kind of away from the Lord and you just need to come home to the Lord. And just the picture's act painted. The daddy's waiting there with his open arms. and he will come running to You take one step, he'll come running to you. And the other one, I felt there's people that the enemy has a real grip on you. You need freedom. And it could be an addiction of some sort, but it could be fear of something else. But you need that thing broken off of you. Matter of fact, I'm going to have one of our uh, men up here, Terry Anderson, and you'll see him up here. Just walk for the guy that has the oxygen tank that we're going to believe gets healed in Jesus' name. But he he heads up our Celebrate Recovery. They meet every Friday night, what, at 6 o'clock? Here in the Connect Cafe just to help people get over their hangups and hurts and, and different things. And I believe when we pray, I believe by your act of coming up here, something in the spirit realm is going to be broken over you. I declare it in Jesus' name. But you know what? You still need somebody to help you walk through it. When I was, I gave my life to the Lord 30 years ago. I'm 60 now. That was about half my life. April 14th, 1984. I was, see, I was born April, uh, December 28th, 1954. That's a long time ago. I ask kids, hey, when are you born? Oh, 1980s. Uh, oh, wow. 1954. But on April 14th, 1984, I was born again. Unless you are born again, you're not going to go to heaven. That is the truth. And if you are born again, you should see a change in your life. You shouldn't be like every other heathen out there. There should be a change. And so today, I'm gonna ask a couple questions, and our altar team's gonna come up. But do you need to get things right with God? Do you need to come home? Do you need to uh, be born again? Have you gotten off track? What's opened my eyes up, what illuminated me, was when the person asked me, if you died today, would you go to heaven or hell? And all of a sudden, whoa, that was the one that did it. I didn't know. And then I realized, that God loved me, had a plan for my life, but I had to individually ask Him in. And I raised my hand that day, and I just repeated a prayer to invite Christ into my life because He's not going to force His way in. So if you're here today, I want to ask this question. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Do you need to get things right with God? Do you need to come home? If that's you, I'm going to have you boldly hold your hand up right now and ask for prayer. I see your hand in your hand. In your hand. Anybody else? Come on. I see your hand. God bless you. Amen going to wait a minute. Anybody else? I want to give you an opportunity. God bless you. Amen. God bless you. For some of you, maybe it's just kind of reaffirming and getting back on track. But I'm telling you, God, you're not joining a church today. What you're doing is giving the creator of the universe to come live in your heart. Give you a peace that you're not going to find in the bottom of a bottle or the end of a joint. You can only find it with the Prince of Peace. Yeah, you may think I'm a nut, but I'm screwed on the right bolt, and his name's Jesus. Amen. That was one back from the 70s there. Jesus. Hallelujah. Let's stand on our feet right now. I want our altar team to come up. And we're going to breathe some, some breakthrough here at the altar. So, right when he starts singing, first of all, if you raised your hand, what I want you to do right now, and this is what you're doing, and there's still some people in here, you've never publicly confessed Jesus Christ is Lord. And yes, you need to do that at some point, just to affirm that. I'm going to ask you, if you raise your hand, ask Christ in life to come home to get things right with God. If you'll walk over to the cross over there, we'll have, Travis will be waiting for you. All of you that raise your hand, just begin to go right now. Come on, give him a big hand, clap. We're proud of you. we got something we want to give you. It's a little packet to help you in your walk. And we'll have a, a believer with you to pray with you, anything specific. But now, real quick, back to the altar. We're going to sing through one time. But I want you to come up. If you want to be set free from something, come up. If you just want to agree for breakthrough in some area, finances, whatever it may be, come and agree with somebody. Man, it's a shame we did all this work, worship and prayer and the word to kind of bust through the heavens a little bit. Man, let's believe for some things to happen, some signs to follow this message in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing through one time, and we'll dismiss you. Come on, altars are open. There is power in the name.